thank you, husband. You're pretty great too. Um, morning, everyone. I'm Jessica. Jess, married to Ed. We've got two little people, um, Phoebe and Zoe, who are across in kids' groups, who don't sleep at the moment. Anyone else's children just don't sleep, given up on sleeping? No, just us. Cool, cool. Yep. So hopefully this makes sense today. Um, we are carrying on with our Mark series. Last week, Harry and Anya spoke to us and... Um, Harry was looking at the transfigured Jesus, how Jesus isn't always the meek and mild baby in a manger, but um, the fiery-eyed saviour of the world. And Anya spoke to us about healing. And this week we're in Mark 10. Um, if, if, who's got that? I forgot mine. I've got Ed's. Anyone not forgotten theirs? Well done. Um, has Ed given you chocolate yet? He did promise one day that he'd give people chocolate. Um, no, that's not happened. Shame. So um, we're Mark 10, which is, if you've got your Mark books, um, page 16. 64, and we're going to be looking at the very end of Mark 10, the healing of blind Bartimaeus. Run, younger youth, run! Um, right, let's just pray before we begin. We need to ask the Lord into this, don't we? Oh, Jesus, thank you that you know us, that you love us, and that you want to speak to us this morning. Lord, open our eyes, open our ears. May we really meet with you today. Amen. Right, blind Bartimaeus receives his sight. Are we ready? So kind of second column, halfway down. Jesus and his disciples came to Jericho. They were leaving the city. A large crowd was with them. A blind man was sitting by the side of the road begging. His name was Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus meaning the son of Timaeus. Timaeus? Sure. He heard that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. So he began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many people commanded him to stop. They told him to be quiet, but he shouted even louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call for him. And we're just gonna, we're gonna pause there while we have a little look at how, how am I gonna keep that open? There we go, like that. How Bartimaeus called out in faith. Now, I'm one of those people who quite enjoys um, saying hello to other people around me. If I'm walking down the street and I see someone who goes to the same school, I'm like, morning, on the bicycle, I'll kind of wave and I'll say hello. And um, this is, I, I enjoy doing this. Um, Ed, however, when we are out and about, it's a bit like either, oh gosh, stop talking to the whole of Exeter. Or um, it does also sometimes add a considerable amount of time to our journey because I'll see someone from school and then I'll see someone from Polo, our um, parents of Little Ones group, and then just someone I might have met once before, and I'm like, hi, how are you? Oh, hi, Kate Feast. How are you? And so I just love saying hello to people. I love greeting people as we go. The problem I have with this is when I've forgotten my glasses. Has anyone else done that when you're walking down the street and you're like, hi, hello? And there's this person like, who is that crazy lady? What's she doing? And, and you realise that actually it's just some poor, unsuspecting person out, like maybe going to the post box or something like that. But the thing is, this happens to me regularly, relatively. In fact, it happened, I was saying to Rosie the other day, I was like bellowing at her across the car park and she didn't hear. I don't feel embarrassed about it and it doesn't stop me doing it. I just keep on shouting out. And I think Bartimaeus and I would have got on really well. Because in this story, we see how he has the same attitude. Nothing stops him from calling out to Jesus. He's heard about this Jesus of Nazareth bloke who has been doing incredible miracles. In Mark 8, he's healed another blind man. He's healing sick people all over the place. And he wants to hear him. 
while doing some reading in preparation for this talk, um, people have said that the blind and begging community outside the walls of Jericho would have loved a bit of gossip. They'd have really liked to have heard about what was going on inside the city walls, and they'd have passed those stories along. They would have thrived off hearing stories about Jesus. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was coming, he shouted out, Jesus, son of David. Now, this is quite significant because he recognizes that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the transfigured Jesus. He's the the Jesus from Mark 9. And that Jesus has come to rule and to reign. And he knows that the Messiah can open the eyes of the blind. He may have even heard the priests in the temple read scriptures from Isaiah that says, One will come to open the eyes that are blind, to free the captives from prison, and to release from the dungeons those who sit in darkness. So there he was, sat on the side of the road, people milling around, and he hears, it's Jesus, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And he shouts, like I shout and and greet people across, he shouts, but, but people start rebuking him. They're like, shh, stop it, stop shouting out, be quiet. And this isn't the first time it's happened in Mark 10. Ed mentioned this earlier. Um, Parents bring their children to meet Jesus. And the disciples, I love the disciples, they're like, stop it, don't bother Jesus with your small humans. No. Jesus is like, guys, let the little children come to me. So this is the second time we see how those around Jesus can get it really wrong. Bartimaeus is shouting, he's like, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus stops and he says, come to me, call him to me. I'm reminded of perseverance and persistence when I read this. I am not often very persistent. If my video won't load on YouTube, I click onto another video. If my phone starts to have a freak out, I pass it to IT support, aka husband, um, to sort it out immediately because I'm just like, fix it. If it won't fit in a box, I shove it in the cupboard. Future Jessica will deal with it. And my persistence is not particularly great, but it can also then filter through into my prayer life and into my faith. I don't know if you can relate I can be impatient if I don't see God answer my prayer straight away. I can be um, a bit grumpy if I don't see the change that I want happening immediately. But Bartimaeus persists. And I wonder if any of you feel like Bartimaeus. You don't let the hustle and the bustle, busyness of what's going around you stop you from coming to Jesus. Maybe you don't even recognise Jesus yet. Maybe you don't recognize who he says he is. This man, Bartimaeus, he has never actually seen Jesus. He is blind. He's never seen him. He is living, was living proof. He's not still alive now, as far as I'm aware. He was living proof that you don't need to see Jesus to be able to believe in him. And Bartimaeus knew this was his last opportunity to be able to see Jesus. Jesus was making the journey to Jerusalem for Holy Week, 17 miles with his followers. And so Bartimaeus shouts out. He seizes the moment. Corrie ten Boom, who's a wonderful woman of faith, once said, I have never met anyone who was sorry that they asked Jesus into their hearts. But it can be really hard. It can be really tough 
It can be really tempting to let the noise of the crowd, the hustle and the bustle of what's going on around us, let our prayers slip to the back of our mind. You might be out with friends, teammates or family and you might just, you know, put your faith to one side for the evening. It can be really easy to not be persistent in our faith. To be bold and courageous, to shout out, even if we don't know what Jesus is going to do. Let's take Bartimaeus' lead and call out in faith to Jesus with everything, from the good, the bad, the ugly, all the things in our lives. Let's cry out to him with them because he cares about what we have to say. So let's say it with faith like Bartimaeus. We're going to pick up our story again. Um, If you're in a normal Bible, verse 49. If not, still kind of halfway down the second column. It goes on like this. So they called out to the blind man, cheer up, get on your feet. Jesus is calling for you. He threw his coat to one side, then he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. I'm going to pause there again. I love how in faith. Now, I'm sure it is ingrained, the date, the 3rd of October 2021 is ingrained in all of your memories. It was a great day. It was a day that Emily Chesworth and I completed a marathon. I know, a really long way. If you've never done a marathon before, uh, it's a long way. Yeah, don't, Joe Fisher says. 26.2 miles. So imagine Jesus walking Jerusalem, that's 17, plus another 9.2. And I remember very, very clearly standing up here in these shoes saying to you all, I'm never going to ever do it again. But in um, 48 days, three hours and about 30 minutes time, I'm going to be starting running a marathon again. And um, here's the thing, how, how did that happen, you might ask? Well, I'm easily persuaded by some beautiful stash. Um, the London Marathon uh, jumper this year for completing it, it's a really nice teal blue with some neon zips. And my friend, she sat down next to me at, um, at the swimming lessons and she was like, so Jess, have you seen, have you seen this? Isn't it really pretty? Also, do you want to run the London Marathon with me? And I'm like, yeah, okay, let's do that. Um, I was slightly dreading the whole situation. And the thing is, this time, training is different. Other, I know, very exciting, other fitness tracking allowed, obviously. But both my friend and I have an Apple Watch. And so when I've completed a workout, it will ping up on her, fo- her watch to say, Jessica has completed a run. The problem is that also happens for me. And here comes the downside of technology, the comparison. Oh, my days. So my friend had started training a little bit before I had. I signed up in January. And um, suddenly my phone was like, ping, completed a workout. Ping, workout, completed. I'm like, oh, I haven't even run like 5K in like three years. And um, I started to feel this weight of comparison, this weight of kind of compare and despair and worry. And I started labeling myself as a failure. And people around me were like, that's fine. You've done a marathon before. You'll be all right. And I'm like, guys, do you know it's 26.2 miles? It's a really, really, really long way. And this it became really hard to train because I felt so um, bogged down in comparison. And so um, we went for a run together and we, were go- we started at Powderham Castle and we ran into Exeter and I said to her, I'm feeling a little intimidated by you right now. I, I cut, like, every time it pops up to so say you completed a run, I feel like I'm dying inside a little bit. And um, she was like, you know what, me too! 
was like, oh gosh, why did we not have this conversation like three weeks ago? That would have saved a lot of bad night's sleep. Me, I would have been a bit harsh, but I almost blocked her too, so, you know. Thing is, when I let go of that comparison, when I let go of that worry, when I let go of that fear, the training became as easy as training for 26.2 miles becomes. And I was reminded of this comparison and this feeling of failure when I read this passage. Bartimaeus has been labelled. In my version of the Bible, the passage literally is titled Blind Bartimaeus. People would have known him as they'd be like, oh, Bartimaeus, which one? The blind one. They'd have known him as Blind Bartimaeus. I wonder how many of us put labels on ourselves, labels of failure. Maybe you write yourself out of a story because you're too old or you're too young. Comparison can hold us back from what God wants us to do. When those who were rebuking Bartimaeus tell him to cheer up and get up, I think it must have been a beautiful picture because this man stands up, throws his cloak aside and follows the sound of a voice of a man he doesn't really know. And he follows him and walks to him. But the bit that interests me most is that Mark includes the fact he threw off his cloak. My favourite Bible passage is Hebrews 12. Let us, uh, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and run the race marked out for us. In that moment, Bartimaeus is throwing off his cloak and he's throwing off the thing that marks out his position in society as a poor, blind man. And maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think there is a link between him throwing off that and throwing off the sin that is entangling and hindering him. I'm not saying that his sin and his blindness are linked, but he's throwing down the thing that represents his status and his position in society. He's doing that in calling out to Jesus. He's doing it in throwing off his cloak and he's doing it in when at the end Jesus heals him. He follows Jesus on the road to Jerusalem. So often we don't hear what happens to the people that Jesus healed, do we? But here it says that he followed Jesus. His faith in Jesus has healed him. Both his spiritual and physical blindness were gone. I wonder what things you're holding on to. What cloaks are you maybe wearing? What comparisons are you making? What failures are you labelling yourself with? I know there are many that I label myself with. Maybe you use them as a bit of a spiritual comfort blanket to mark your place on the ground because you think you're no better than that spot. Are those things blinding you like Bartimaeus was blinded? My encouragement is that we throw them off today that we throw them off and that we give them to Jesus, like Bartimaeus threw his coat off and followed the sound of Jesus' voice. You might find a bit like me, the, um, the creeping comparison. I don't know if you have that, where it starts out as nothing, but then it creeps. It creeps in because you're like, oh gosh, another workout completed or whatever it is for you in your life. We can let that creeping turn into spiritual blindness. And bizarrely, it can be quite scary to leave it behind, For Bartimaeus, it would have been scary. He took a risk standing up and shouting out and getting up. It can be the same for us. We can hold on to things, relationships, conversations, comparisons that hold us back because it's almost comfortable to have maybe a label. Maybe we've had it since we were young. But we're encouraged by Bartimaeus to throw off those things that entangle us, to run the race marked out for us following Jesus. 
without even the comparison of Apple watches or failures that we have labelled ourselves with, but following him freely without burdens. The very end of the passage, if you'll jump with me, 51 if you're in a normal Bible, um, and we go to, um, here we go. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to be able to see. Go, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Right away he could see and he followed Jesus along the road. Now, some of you may know that I'm a big fan of Ellis James, John Robbins and producer Dave on Radio 5 Live on a Friday afternoon. Any other Ellis James, John Robbins fans in the house? Boop, boop. Um, so my fangirling has reached a new level. I was on the radio live with them on Friday. I know, really exciting and scary all at the same time. And um, I was in, if you don't know them, and you really should, it's great fun, you should listen to them. They have a section called Petty Parliament um, every Friday where you bring to them something that you want them to pass into law, which they obviously can't do. My Petty Parliament was wobbly paving slabs. You know the ones where you step on them, water squirts all over your feet and it's really annoying? I wanted them to be, I wanted them to be banned and those responsible have their feet watering, watered every morning. Sadly, the, the yay, A's, eyes, the nose had it, which was very sad. Um, but here is a short clip from Friday, if it's going to work. I was not expecting to talk about frozen muffins on the radio um, for a very long time on Friday morning. Um, but when I first sent in my petty parliament to Ellis and John, it did get me thinking about, I was out on one of the, the long runs, it got me thinking about what would I actually, if I did have the power, what would I try and enact in law? Probably not wobbly paving slabs. They'd be like right down at the bottom of the list of issues I'd like to fix in society. I'd probably start with broken homes and try and help children in care or our NHS system. And um, I, I love that Jesus then says to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? I'm like, the guys must have, around him must have been like, dude, he's blind. Like, he wants to be able to see. That's obviously why he's calling out to you. But if I was standing in front of the Son of God, who really could change things, who really could fix all the wobbly paving slabs, all the broken homes, all the children in care, all of the NHS problems, if he really could fix all those things, what would my answer be to that question? What do you want me to do for you? I wonder what your gut response would be. What is your gut immediate response? Earlier in Mark 10, um, disciples of J um, Jesus, James and John, are asked the exact same question. Jesus asked them, what do you want me to do for you? And they say, well, we want to be at your right and left hand side. Have a place of prominence. We want to be um, elevated up. We want to be seen. And I love the comparison here, that the contrasting responses, because Bartimaeus doesn't want to be seen like James and John. He just wants to be able to see he doesn't want to be made extraordinarily. He just wants to be ordinary for exactly what it was he needed. He, had, he needed for. What is it you want to ask the creator of the world for? Imagine you're standing in front of him like Bartimaeus did and you're asked that simple question. What do you need? Do you need faith? Do you need hope? Do you need healing? I wonder how we can be like Bartimaeus in our straightforwardness in our request. Let's not fluff around with all of our uh, prayers using fancy words. Let's just be straightforward with him. 
I also love that in that moment, Bartimaeus is not blind Bartimaeus from the so much more than that. He's created by God. He's fearfully and wonderfully made. He's a work of art made in God's anticipated to be made. But Jesus looks at him and says, you have value. You have value. I'm sure not many people in Bartimaeus' life looked at him and said, I place value in you. But Jesus did. And isn't it beautiful that the first thing that this man saw, the very first thing he saw was Jesus' face. The face of the one who loved him unconditionally. Jesus has the same question for us today. He wants to know what he can do for you. What are you going to ask him? What areas of your life are you going to invite him into? Are you going to ask him to open your eyes, to remove blindness, to help you throw off a cloak that is hindering you, that is pulling you down? Maybe you're going to ask him to help you shout a little louder. Are you going to find your worth and your value in Jesus, knowing that you are chosen and loved, or in labels that maybe you or others have placed on you? I want to close with this. It is a journey, and every one of us are on that journey. I don't know where you were, but Bartimaeus was, at the, was on a journey into Jerusalem to his death. And my encouragement is that we are like Bartimaeus, because when he interacted with Jesus, his life was changed forever. He, call, he bowled out. He bowled out? He didn't bowl out. He called out boldly. He acted out in faith. And he answered Jesus in faith. So that's my encouragement for you today. Would you stand? We're going to pray and um, have a chance to respond. Lord, I thank you for the, the message of blind Bartimaeus. Thank you that you know him and that you want to uh, speak to us through that today. And you want to ask us that question. What do you want me to do for you? from the, the, the small things in our lives, from the wobbly paving slabs through to the big issues that we face, Lord. You want to you wanna ask us this question, what can I do for you? How can I help you? So Lord, help us to come to you today. Help us to throw...